I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is episode 27 on the Merry Biz podcast with Amy Schmidauer. Welcome to Merry Biz. Get inspired to live your best life and learn what it takes to create an epic business from the world's most amazing entrepreneurs. We're your hosts, Emma and Carla Pappas. Let's get our merry biz on. Today's guest is a content and social media marketing YouTuber and coach. She writes, hosts, and produces Savvy Sexy Social, a web show that helps rising stars and personalities create their brand authority. She's published over 500 videos, gaining more than 2 million YouTube views. She's an internationally acclaimed public speaker, and she is a whole lot of fun. Welcome to Mary Biz, Amy Schmidt. Oh my gosh, that was the best bio ever. <laughs> we had to you say it like that. You guys are so awesome. <laughs> you are. We're so excited to have you on the show, Amy. Thank you for having me. Oh, that is our pleasure. So the very first question we ask everyone is, what has been on your agenda today? Oh my gosh. Well, it just so happens to be Groundhog Day. So I tried oh. to pack it full of things that I would want repeated. So... <laughs> So on the agenda for today, doing a little content creation, always be making some videos, Uh always make videos. And later on, I will be treating myself to a massage, as I feel like they say in other areas of the world. I just call it a massage. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that sounds like an awesome day. I didn't even know Groundhog Day was actually real. I thought it was just a movie. It's a real thing. <laughs> That's what's so darn sad about it. But the, the repeatable part, it, yeah, that, that only happens in the movie. I mean, you would think. We're not sure yet. We're still hoping. I guess you guys are in the future, so you can tell me if that's real or not. That's so <laughs> funny. So we love what you're all about, and we love Savvy Sexy Social. And we would love to know, how did it all get started? And what did you do before you became, you know, an online entrepreneur slash YouTube star? Oh, my gosh. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I'm any, I don't know if I'm a YouTube star, but I yes, have you been are. on YouTube for a really long time. I, that was really how I got started. I was sort of dragging my feet on social media outside of video creation for, for some time before I finally dove in. But I've been creating video content sort of as at first it was just a hobby. It was really just because I enjoyed the editing process. Mm. In 2008 was when I joined YouTube and really was just getting inspired by other creators, those veterans that were really up and coming at that point Mm -hmm. and started sharing my life through video. So through that, I learned a lot about community building. Mm. And that's what's led me to where I am today, just being able to execute 
on my own. And then finding that the brands I was coming in contact with wanted to learn more about how I was doing that. The ones that were very ahead of their time <laughs> in those days, yeah. uh, because social media was something that was really hard to get brands to mm. consider as a part of their budget. But for those that wanted to learn, I was teaching and sort of just ended up creating a business on the side of my full-time job. I was I went to school for political science. I was in policy and lobbying and fundraising. So that's what I was doing in the day-to-day. Mm-hmm. And this social media video thing was was on the side. And it just turned out to work out fabulously. Wow. Awesome. And you talked about social media and you get around on social media. I think you're on Periscope, Snapchat. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> I get around. That's a girl. Come on. Girl. And you are awesome on social media. Do you think, <laughs> everybody check her out. <laughs> yes, everyone, we'll share all the links in our show notes. Do you think it's important to be on all the different platforms? No, I actually don't. I, I think mm. I think it really does depend though. It depends on the size of your brand. It depends on the resources that you have. It depends on the staff. It depends on where your audience is, where their mm. most, most of their attention is. And It's really hard to say not to be on any social network, especially when the big three like Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And now we're even considering Snapchat, one of those big ones. Yeah, I love it. So many people on these platforms and YouTube as well. YouTube is a little bit of a different animal because users can be logged in or not logged in. But still, Mm -hmm. there's there are a lot of things here. There's a lot of people there. So to say your audience isn't there is kind of silly because when you have billions of monthly active users on Facebook, it's kind of hard to say, yeah. I don't know that my audience is over there. Well, yeah, probably they are. You're just a little too lazy on how to find them. So true. But at the same time, it also depends on who you are and where your resources are, because I don't want you to be on Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Periscope, Blab, everything just because you've been told to do that. Mm-hmm. And then you're mediocre across the board, probably terrible across the board, not even mediocre. <laughs> and and what good does that even do you? You're stressed out as a brand. You can't seem to make any ground. You're spending money, you're spending time, and it's not paying off, Yeah, which is why I believe it's actually so much better to choose one or two and knock mm-hmm. them out of the park before you expand from there. Awesome. So it really depends. It also sort of depends on how you treat the platform. We're actually seeing a lot more trending in the direction of social media platforms being media delivery, where mm. YouTube is a social network, but it's also where I host my content, yeah. which is risky business. You know, you don't want to you don't want to host your content on a platform that you do not own. Mm-hmm. But YouTube is this really different animal where it serves both purposes, and it's also going to send you search traffic, which is incredible. Yeah. So there's there's an interesting ground to play there. As long as you know where your owned assets are and what the goals always should be, it's a good idea. But YouTube, to me, is more of a content creation mm. platform as well as a social network where you know we're really focused on the content there. But I'm going to have probably a more casual conversation with said viewers or followers, et cetera, on like a Twitter or a Snapchat. So you you really need to get very clear about letting your audience know where you're going to be. You should be where they are in the first place if yeah. you've got nothing going on. Mm-hmm. But if you do, it's okay to say we're on Twitter and Instagram and that's it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and if that's the case, be crushing it. Yep. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. So why is it important like to be on video and what like how does video have you know, a lot more power than other social media channels. And also the content. So like over writing blogs and things like that. Well, it's it's a lot of things. I mean, we're growing into all over the world, more visual learners because Mm. we just don't have the patience. And so video therefore just wins. I mean, it really does. 
if somebody says, you know, in, in your case, for instance, somebody wants to make one of your smoothies, it's going to be mm-hmm. really effective to read the list of ingredients. But at the same time, being able to watch you put yeah. those things into the concoction is going to be more effective than somebody trying to read it. I tell you this mm-hmm. because I have food shipped to me every week. That's all the ingredients so I can take the pleasure in cooking something myself without having to go through the pain of shopping for mm, it. Yeah. But reading the directions is not as fun for me as watching somebody make mm. it so that I can replicate that success because maybe I don't know what a dice actually is and I need to see it True. versus just reading it on a page like, oh, okay, well, maybe that's totally. large or small. I don't know. So you really need to think about what your content is and could it be better served in a visual format, a lot of times the answer is yes. Does that mean that copy is bad? Then <laughs> absolutely not. Copy is amazing. <laughs> copy is the reason you're going to get any traffic to that video mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm. first place. But you just have to see what you're doing to best serve your customer because if you need both, you need both. And you're actually probably going to get a bigger payoff should you use both. For instance, having a video, so, you know, complimentary blog post copy embedding that on your website and directing people to the site so they can read if they're not able to watch and they can watch if they're just not interested in reading. Yeah, I love that. I want to go back to, you know, your business journey and how you went from, you know, working a full-time job and now you're doing this online amazing business full-time. So was there a transition and was there any fear like based around kind of leaving that full-time regular job? Oh man, that I mean, like, that's a huge decision, right? I mean, mm. and it is for everyone, and it's never easy. And I like to say, in most cases, where we're all, we're we're all so excited about, like, oh, I'm going to keep building the business on the side, and then eventually, it's just going to be so big that I'll be able to leave my <laughs> full time job. And and it, it, we always want it to be that way, but the reality is, in most in most cases, and anyone that watches Shark Tank, for instance, in the U.S. would know this. Yeah, they always say, like, wait, you have a full time job. That, that's a ton of time that mm-hmm. if it was allocated towards your business, mm-hmm. you would have a completely different result totally. in, in, in that time frame. So when I was running a consulting business and an execution, I was doing social media execution at first. Like I will tweet for you, essentially. That was oh, really yeah. the only way to get brands to hire me because they could not understand why they had to do it in the first place, much yeah. less them doing it themselves. So when you're, when you're selling that, you know, when a brand looks at you and says, oh, you're busy from nine to five Monday through Friday, that's Mm. really difficult for me to wrap my mind around. So I don't know that I can work with you. Mm. So it's it's kind of funny how I thought I was doing really, really well in the side business. Mm -hmm. And it was just a chain of events that happened, sort of a changing of the guard in terms of political parties Mm. that made me decide to leave my full-time job. And in doing so was like, you know what? I'm young. I'm in my early 20s. I'm single, no children, no big, you know, obligations, no crazy car payments or anything like that. I have the ability to take this risk right now. I've been doing my research for almost a year and a half. I've got, I've taken vacation time, gone to conferences, spent any extra money on education, spent any extra time on the business. Mm -hmm. I think I can say that this is a risk worth taking at this point because my plan B is totally there. I had amazing rapport with my previous employer. I had great experience in the field where I could have gone and been a campaign manager or fundraiser someplace else. And that was something that I could have done. And it was my plan B that I never really had to take because it turns out when I took that big leap and because I did all my homework and because I did a ton of networking, as soon as it was like, hey, guess what? Amy's full time on her own for her business. Mm -hmm. Suddenly everyone got the memo and I had 
clients within three weeks, full time worth work. Awesome. Wow. So it, it's it's incredible what you do to set yourself up for success. Yeah. I'm not saying that that's something that's going to happen to every single yeah. person. I'm just saying that you can't take that jump and not understand that there's managed risk there. Totally. And what is the managed risk for you versus what was it for me? Yeah. So you just keeping that into consideration, it was a huge decision. I was scared to death. I remember making the decision a year before I did it. Yeah. And I remember losing sleep a year before <laughs> I left. And I was like, oh, how am I going to tell my boss? My employers have been so amazing to me. I mean, I will go to the end of time talking about how much I love that company, but mm-hmm. I just knew that it wasn't going to be for me for the yeah. rest of my life. So it, it took time to actually make it happen. I'm really glad it was a year later because I think when I was having anxiety, I was like, I don't think it's time yet, but how am I going to know when it's time? And then the, the right time came. Exactly. Uh, amazing. We love that story yeah, so like, much. There's no, yeah, there's no right time and there's no wrong time. This yeah. is now. So. so Amy, like, what would be the biggest challenge for you going from your old job to full-time Savvy Sexy Social? Uh, what was the biggest challenge? Challenge? Ah, uh, man. I think probably the fact that when you wake up every morning you're reporting to a brand new boss Mm. and every boss you have to report to, you have to get to know them really well, how they work, how they think, what they're going to do for you and what you have to do for them. And when that person is all you, it's very, very interesting, (laughs) the dynamic there because you're like, oh, I'm in charge. Cool. I get to sleep in. Yeah. (laughs) Great. My boss said that's totally fine that I can work from noon until one o'clock in the morning. That's great. So it's it's stuff like that. That was Mm -hmm. the challenge was understanding where is my greatest productivity? Because at this point in time, all I know is the hours from 5 p.m. to 1 a.m., which is what I've been doing or the weekends. I have a completely different work life now and I need to find my new level of high productivity Mm -hmm. so that I'm not wasting any time. Because what's the point of running a business and having to wake up to report to yourself every day if you don't want to go into work because you missed out on figuring out where your balance is? Because when you start giving away every minute of your life to your business, which most of us do, Mm -hmm. and it probably won't stop for a while because you just can't stop thinking about it, you end up not having as much of a passion for it as you did in the past. It's sad, but it's true. It doesn't mean it goes away forever. It means it's just a little bit different than where it was before. And that's okay because it means you're more wise about what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And now it's about balancing it so it continues to be a passion for you. Mm -hmm. It just may not be in the same way that it was for you before. I'm so passionate about what I do, but completely differently than where I was six Mm -hmm. years ago. I love not having notifications turned on my phone today. I don't like to check tweets until it's time to check tweets. I Uh love not checking email until I feel like checking email. There was a time where I lived and breathed for every email and tweet that came in. So you just have to remember that that balance is going to be there. The biggest challenge is understanding that it's okay when things change, as long as you continue to balance out whatever that balance is. We're building a business around our life, not the other way around. So if you want it to be that way and you have the audacity to want that for a really long time, probably the rest of your life, Mm -hmm. you really have to be okay with patience and and weighing that balance as you go. Totally. I love that. Totally. So some of our listeners have probably not even been on some of those social media channels we were talking about, like Blab and Periscope and Snapchat and things like that. So for someone who has no idea 
Where would you suggest they start with social media? That's a really good question. I honestly think you have to think about where your audiences first. Mm -hmm. It's so much easier to say, go to where you're familiar. Yeah. yeah. It's so much easier so to true. say that. And and like I said before, it's, you can also basically say your audience is probably wherever you go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Probably not going to say that about Blab for the vast majority of the mm -hmm. world and maybe even Periscope. Periscope is changing because it's now available in stream on Twitter, but Twitter is also changing and, mm -hmm. and the audience on Twitter is changing significantly. So although all of them have great arguments, and although it would be easiest to say, go to Facebook because you log into it every day, every anyway, mm -hmm. I would actually rather if you were getting started, just completely wrap your mind around the one social platform, you know, and maybe in your heart, it kind of hurts you a little to know that you have to get to know it mm -hmm. really well. Yeah. Because if that answer is Instagram and you've never logged in, mm. It's actually a blessing because yeah. Instagram is gorgeously simple and yet so complex because of his, because of the simplicities of it. So it's cool because if that's where your audience is and you focus on it and you really understand how to use it, how to talk to people on it, how to find other people on it, how to search trending topics and trending locations, mm -hmm. when you really dive in and get a great understanding of it, that's where you need to start. Instead of going to what you know, get somewhere that is where your audience is. As long as that is the case, you won't be wasting any time. I, I just worry about people going to only what they know because yeah. it's hard to get out of your own routine sometimes. And then you go to Facebook because you know it well, but you're going to be like, oh, I'm going up from a brand standpoint now. Mm. I'm going to find my audience here. And yet we go and we log in and we get a little distracted by what our aunt posted. <laughs> and then the ex-boyfriend's got a new girl in his life. And, oh, hold on. You know, don't, don't get distracted by what you already know really well. You have to focus on who this is for. Yeah. So go to them and get to know their environment. It's like going to the cocktail party that you're just not sure about, but somebody yeah. invited you to and you're mm -hmm. like, oh, what do I wear? Yeah. What do people talk about there? How do I get to know this place? How do I blend in, but eventually stand out? Totally. That, that's a very important process to understand. And that's what social media is. I love, I that. love that. And analogy. I think it's also really important to keep that in mind as your business grows. I mean, like we only just got on Snapchat. And I mean, like I know you've been on Snapchat for a while, but far out. It is an amazing social media channel. I know. It's, it's so like fun. My, it's like my guilty pleasure, that thing. <laughs> it's just so easy. And I think that that's why we're loving it. Because you can like, and you can talk directly to your people and snap them back. And it feels a little special getting a little video. It's so funny that you guys are saying this too, because you guys are so amazing at Instagram. And my friend Sue B is the Instagram expert. And she, yeah. she, you know, she loves her some Instagram. Instagram is her jam. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, when I went to her house on Cape Cod and I showed her how I was sharing sort of like a behind the scenes look at my life, I never would have uploaded these videos to Twitter just because it yeah. didn't, right? I never would have uploaded them to Instagram because there's a very high bar of what can be posted on Instagram as you guys Yes. Do. And she feels the exact same way. So when I showed her, I was like, this stuff disappears in 24 hours. Yeah. Like, who cares what happens? It's a real, it's a raw experience. Yeah. And that is what our audience wants so bad. Mm -hmm. That's why social media is a thing at all. Even though, you know, people are using professional cameras for their Instagram account. Mm -hmm. We've, we're have we just coming to accept that now because we accept the platform for what it is. But yeah. the very coolness about Snapchat is that it is forces you to be raw, forces you to use your smartphone, 
And it also forces you to just come to terms with the fact that followers don't matter and that you're actually looking at real impressions there. Love it. And that is massive. That's massive. It's so exciting. I love it so much. (laughs) So, Amy, who would you say is your biggest influence now? And also growing up, who was your biggest influence? That's a uh, growing up, man, growing up, who was my biggest influence? Um, gosh, I don't, I think if I had to have an influence choice from just growing up in general, I think it would just be anybody I listened to mm-hmm. musically mm-hmm. because I don't think I knew at the time, and I certainly still think about it now, but. Anytime I've ever listened to music, I've always visualized some sort of video that goes along with that music. So what's really kind of funny about that is like, I guess maybe I subconsciously thought I was going to be a music video producer in my in my Mm. (laughs) like adult life. So that that's sort of why I think my biggest influences was music, because I think I actually got a lot of creative ideas from visualizing that as yeah. as a child. I love so that. a lot of like just just normal kid music, I guess, like pop and and I listened to a lot of R&B growing up as well. Mm-hmm. So just getting to know like how music and video work really well together. It's not something I do, but it's always been something that has driven me creatively. So I guess if I had to credit something for my childhood, early YouTube would have been people like Philip DeFranco and Justine Zarek because they just truly showed what you could do with a simple camera mm. and keep people encapsulated. And I, I just absolutely love, love, love them. And they still are, are huge today on the platform. But today, I think I'm most motivated. I don't know. I, it's, it's funny because I, I've been trying to really stay in my lane. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of a lot of ways to be motivated by other people in the industry mm-hmm. um, or not in the industry. But sometimes I worry about my colleagues a little bit that are coming up and worrying a little bit too much about what's going on around them and not executing. So as much as I get motivated by people, I think I just get motivated by people in general more than I get motivated yeah. by one person yeah. because I don't want to be so fixed on one person that I forget who I am. Yeah. And and I, I'm seeing that happen a little bit too much. I think that just happens with social media and fame for some totally. people. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of a lot of influences. I think if if I had to go with a business influence it's really tough to not say Gary Vaynerchuk because he's awesome. awesome. And, and I think part of it is sort of like a a defense in me (laughs) because there's as easy as it is to love somebody. It's just as easy to hate somebody. And, and I've, I've just heard too much unfortunate backlash uh, from people I wouldn't expect to because he's such a hustler and people think it's unrealistic. And I'm so grateful for him that he's putting out this daily, not daily, but very frequent video blog of what his his life is really like as the owner of the company, because it's showing that he really does work his butt off. He's frustrating. But even if he was, we all have to really do a good job of displaying what our brand is. Mm -hmm. And Gary does a good job of that. Gary doesn't just talk about hustle. He lives it. He breathes it. He drips it from his sweat glands. (laughs) It's crazy, 
but that's what I respect. People think of me as somebody that can never turn off, that can always bust out a video, that can constantly create content, that does nothing else but create value for her audience. Awesome. If you don't know that I'm getting a massage tonight and then I'm going to watch the Gilmore Girls after that, (laughs) and it seems like I'm constantly creating content, then that is okay with me because I am going to be the best representation of my brand on Mm -hmm. the front every single day, every single time. I don't have time for drama that is irrelevant to my brand. Mm -hmm. I have, I don't have, I don't even have time for just small things that are not setting me up for success. And I think Gary does a fantastic job of displaying what that means to him. And that's motivating to me. So for Mm -hmm. the people that think that he either works too hard and doesn't have a family life. I think those people are completely off base for saying that because just because someone's very good at displaying a brand doesn't mean that they don't have balance. And yeah. I, I really, really respect him for that. Totally. I love that. And like, I guess we want to get into that topic of like haters on social media. Like, how do you cope with that? Like people giving you crap about what you put out there. It's funny because... I, I, and, and here we are, it's 2016 and I'm very grateful to say that I don't have this problem as much as many YouTubers do. Awesome. I'm very fortunate, but I also think that has a lot to do with me targeting my audience very specifically. Mm. There the people that have problems with, with trolls and comments and things like that, specifically on YouTube, we can talk outside of that as well, but mm-hmm. there you're looking at people with at least a hundred thousand subscribers or more on the platform. Yeah. I have a very respectable 40,000 subscribers, but a subscriber on YouTube is also very loosely defined these days. I mean, they're trying to get rid of like crap accounts and stuff like that. And I'm not discrediting what a subscriber is. I just mean that when you have a very large amount of people following you, there's going to be people on there that live with their parents, hang out in the basement and talk crap on the internet. That's just what they do. It is. It's just what they do. So I'm fortunate that I don't necessarily have that as much because I'm targeting those businesses and the businesses get that business is hard. And so Mm -hmm. I think they respect, they respect me and they respect what I'm doing. That being said, I also look like I'm 12 years old. So I do attract (laughs) little 12 year old boys. Sometimes I'm just kidding. Like I get that all the time. Nobody can guess what age that I am. So I do have people that jump in the comments and say, show me your boobs. Like, it's not weird. Like people just do that because they're, they're not there. You know, they think it's funny, Yeah, but when you know how to manage that situation, it is so much better. Mm-hmm. First of all, your audience will go to bat for you anytime, yeah. any place. If you've done them well, they will do you yeah. well. Mm-hmm. And those people, I mean, the funny thing is when you reply to them and 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 I'm like, no. And they're like, <laughs> and they're like oh. <laughs> and then they come back and they're nice the next time. You, this has happened to me many multiples of times. It's, it's shocking. Or they go away and they don't come back. Yeah. It, it, it can be really difficult to see when it happens, but people don't talk crap about mom when she's in the room. If you actually show mm. people that you respond to your comments and that you hang out down there and you didn't just drop the mic, mm-hmm. they respect that. They treat you very differently. Yeah, and the like same that. goes for any other social media. It just does. It just so happens that in YouTube with video and the amplification of a person and their flaws, mm because of video, it's just, it's just going to happen more often than it would in like a Twitter situation. But on Instagram, it's running rampant as, as well. And, and I've even heard horrible stories about kids these days that are allowed to have their iPod touch or their, or their iPhone 
in, you know, elementary, middle school, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. They're posting to Instagram and they're rating each other. And like that's that they don't even know what they're doing is bullying a lot of the time. Yeah. And, And that's really scary to me. And that's why I feel so grateful about when I grew up because I didn't have social media. I mean, it was Facebook was just being invented (laughs) when I graduated. So I was like, I'm grateful for that. So I think that I have a little bit different take when it comes to those trolls. But here's the thing. Anytime, anytime you let anyone else decide how you feel, that's Mm -hmm. your fault. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you made a real mistake, then correct it. But if you're just being you and people have a problem with that, that's not enough of a reason to back down. Yeah, I love that. I love that so much. And I think like a lot of people say to ignore them, but I think replying to them sometimes does really help. I mean, I sent a private message to someone who called us tarts the other day on Facebook. (laughs) And I was like, I I wrote her a message and I was like, you know, like we are real people. And like, imagine if someone called your daughter a tart or your sister a tart. She didn't write back, but I don't think she'll be bothering us again. (laughs) Exactly. And, and, and that's, and they don't expect that to happen. That's the yeah. crazy thing. Yeah. Most of the time, people really think they're talking to a computer. Yeah. They're like, oh, how stupid are you? And they type it and they're probably just thinking it in their head and they just type yeah. it with the keystrokes because they can. Mm-hmm. And they, they really don't realize that they are hurting real people. Mm-hmm. You guys do seem kind of like an anomaly, how happy you are, but you really <laughs> are real. And people need to respect that. And I love to hear that. What's crazy about this specific topic is just the direction it's taking with live streaming specifically. Yeah. And th- that's what's really difficult. You know, every day I'm watching somebody on Periscope that is trying to deliver some some form of content, mm-hmm. even if they're just answering questions. And then they have to like pause and like, they, they have a face happen and then they have to touch the screen and like block somebody yeah. because there's this whole process now of real time trolling yeah. that we have to deal with. And that's really difficult because we're all trying to intensely look at the comments so that we can pay attention mm-hmm. to our audience. And then those jerks that know full well, you're going to see mm-hmm. what they said mm-hmm. pop up. And it's, it's difficult, especially difficult for me because I don't block people mm. on YouTube. I've never really blocked anybody. I think it, it had to be a very extreme situation. You have to use yeah. very derogatory words to get blocked from my channel. Show me your boobs isn't going to do it. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, you know, it, in Periscope, it's really, really different because I have found that I've blocked people and I don't yeah. like that because I liked that I had a policy of not doing it unless mm-hmm. things just got to irreversible, you know, and and it's difficult. And I think it's something still to learn how to be managed. But I think we're all becoming better readers in our mind instead of out loud because yeah. we don't want to read that troll comment out yeah, loud. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, I, I don't know. I, I, it's still yet to be seen what will happen there, but it's something to to think about. And it's unfortunate. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. So, Amy, like wrapping this up, let's like put all this together. What would you say is like your top three social media tips for any brand or any business? First and foremost, just get really, really clear on what your goals are because Mm -hmm. far too many are just jumping on social, going to their favorite network and thinking they're going to start a company, using their personal profile on Facebook to start Mm -hmm. selling something. And and, and I'm seeing people left and right get bounced off of Facebook. Facebook's kicking you out. Like if you, if you misuse it. So get really clear on what your goals are, because when you do that, you're going to reverse engineer the process. Mm -hmm. There is no choice. If you want the goal, you need to know how to get there. 
And if the way to get there happens to be Instagram, you're going to go and you're going to say, all right, it's time to dive into this. It's time to learn what I can from this and really go for it. Mm-hmm. Secondly, you're because of that, you are not there for you. You are not there for you. Yeah. So you, whatever you you think people should know is probably on the along the lines of buy my product or hire me. Mm. So that's all fine and good, but you're not there for you. Mm-hmm. You're not you're you are there for those people that you are trying to attract to your brand, those potential customers, those potential audience members. So you have to think about what they want to know before they're going to care about what you think they need to know mm. because that's the courting process for social media. So that's why content creation is a thing. Content marketing is very important. YouTube videos are great but they're not going to drive traffic if it's all about how to use your product. Nobody cares. Mm. So until somebody does care, talk about things that are actually on their radar that are relevant to your industry, whether it's in the form of a tweet or in the form of a YouTube video or in the form of an Instagram photo. Got to think about what other people are already thinking about if you want to be discovered. Mm. And then always remember that we're on social media, but we are renting it. We don't own it. Mm. We are renting it. It can be ripped away from us as fast as it was given to us, such as places like MySpace. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and Brian Clark from Copyblogger gave a great example about people blogging on other platforms. We all got really excited about a platform called Posturus many years ago. Mm-hmm. And then Posturus disappeared and all those blog posts were gone. So oh think gosh. about that. We don't own the space. So always remember that social needs to bring people through a funnel And that funnel is your social funnel and you need to get people back to places you own, like your website and ultimately your email list. If you're not growing something that you own, you're ultimately building nothing. You're building something for someone else's business to be a success. I don't care about Twitter's business. I hope that they do well Mm -hmm. and I hope that it's still around, but I'm going to leverage that area of the world to bring people back to where I hang out, where I own the environment, where I own the distractions and get you on my email list so that I can connect with you if the rest of the internet blows up. Oh, I love, I love it. Good tips. Amazing. Hey. So we're, <laughs> we're almost out of time and we do have one last question for you. But first, we'd love you to tell all of our listeners where they can find more info about you. Savvy, sexysocial.com. Everything's there. The videos, the podcast, all the things. Love it. And our very last question, and we ask everyone this question is, what is the one mantra you're living by right at this moment? My mantra is do you. Mm. Just do you. I love, love that. Oh, Amy, you're amazing. <laughs> it's been amazing speaking with you, Amy, today. Like we've learned so much ourselves and we're inspired to try new things on social media and just like keep Yay. going. And I think our listeners are going to get so much out of this episode. So thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure. It has been my pleasure, ladies. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks again, Amy, for coming on the show. It was so much fun having you on the Mary Beers podcast. If you guys loved that episode as much as we did, be sure to share it with all of your friends because we are so grateful for all of you who share it on your Facebook, on your Instagram, on your Snapchat, whatever you please. We just love seeing you guys getting your merry biz on. All right, now it's time to go and crush it. Let's do this. <laughs>